welcome in. It's the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you with us today. Let's talk some baseball. Specifically, what the hell is going on right now? Turnbull sets the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss! History! Spencer Turnbull has become the sixth Tiger pitcher to throw the eighth no-hitter in franchise history. His teammates burst out of the dugout and mob him at the mound. How about it? Now here's the 0-1 to Calhoun. Hit on the ground to second. Torres throws to first. In time. Ball game over. Corey Kluber has pitched a no-hitter. Corey Kluber came within one man of a perfect game. He pitches a no-hitter, and the Yankees are delirious on the field, celebrating with Corey Kluber in the middle. All right, so that's one element to what the hell is going on right now. The other in baseball is this. Your means got a pretty good eye. We don't need a pitch clock for Astadio. Oh, he loaded up. Mercedes tattoos it to center. It is gone. There you go. A 3-0 swing. I took several steps from the dugout onto the field yelling, take, take, take. Because just the way he was set up, it looked to me like he was going to swing. And the whole time he's around the bases, I'm out there and I'm, you know, I was upset because that's not a time to swing 3-0. and And, you know, I happen to look over there and I know the Twins knew that I was upset. You know, Joe, give him the take sign. I just think Ermin was locked into he and Estudio. You know, they they know each other from different comp- competition, com- uh, competitions, and he was locked in. And really, what he just I got to get him, I got to get him. But he he missed a three and hit sign with that kind of lead. That's just it's not over. That's just sportsmanship, respect for the game, respect for your opponent. He made a mistake. Well, Mercedes owes half his salary in kangaroo court for swinging three zero on Estudio. Behind him. And some of us aren't surprised. Home plate umpire Jim Reynolds is going to come out. And I wonder whether that's not what Tony LaRussa came out anticipating that if the Twins were going to respond to what Mercedes did in the ninth inning last night, and they've tossed Duffy out of the game. I don't. I don't. I don't have a problem with how the Twins handle that. Like, Tony LaRusso is out of touch with the game because he should not be managing one of the best teams in the American League, period. We'll tackle these separately. First, let's talk about all of the no-hitters in 2021. So far, there have been six of them and what Major League Baseball has termed a notable achievement. First of all, Madison Bumgarner's seven-game, or seven-inning, rather, no-hitter is not a no-hitter because it was seven innings. But... He shouldn't I'm, – I'm, I'm not torn on this. It's not a no-hitter, and I'm not going to pretend that it is a no-hitter. But if Major League Baseball would stop dicking around with their rules and actually when there is a doubleheader because it was necessary last year to have seven-inning doubleheaders to make sure that everybody got all of their games in because there were only 60 of them, there's 162 games again this season. When there is a doubleheader, you don't have to go to high school rules. You can play a nine-inning doubleheader like you have for 150 years. So from that standpoint, that's how I feel bad for Madison Bumgarner. But it wasn't a no-hitter because he only threw seven innings. And a no-hitter is nine innings, not seven, nine. Anyway, put that aside for a second. You look at all of these no-hitters. There have been six official no-hitters. 
There were two in rapid succession in April. Joe Musgrove, by the way, for the San Diego Padres, their first ever no-hitter, which is astonishing to me. Then Carlos Rodon from the Chicago White Sox just a few days later. John Means. Who the hell is John Means for the Baltimore Orioles? Former Brewer Wade Miley two days later. And then uh, two more. There have been four in the month of May as I record this. There might be another one tonight. Who knows? But May 18th and 19th, Spencer Turnbull and then Corey Kluber. At least Corey Kluber, a guy who's won a couple of Cy Young Awards with the latest no-hitter. Again, that may change by the time you hear this. Six no-hitters and a notable achievement. Meanwhile, batting averages are plummeting because there's this all-or-nothing mentality that's permeated baseball right now to a nauseating degree. And listen, I love a good pitcher's duel. And no-hitters are great. I mean, they were great until they became so incredibly commonplace. I did a little research. Since the start of the 2010 season, so not even 12 years, not even 11 and a half years, but let's say the 12 seasons of 2010 to 2021, There have been 47 no-hitters thrown. 47 in the last not even 12 years. In the previous 12 years, so that would be 1998 to 2009 or 97, the previous 12 years to that time frame, they went from 47 to 17 Which is mind-boggling, but it's because of two words that, to me, have been the biggest detriment to baseball and to what makes the game of baseball so special. The strategy, the the moving the runners over, the stealing bases, the hit and run, and yes, even sacrificing the runner over. If that makes me an old man yelling in a cloud, fine. I'm an old man yelling in a cloud. But Miami Marlins manager, Don Mattingly, he's an old school guy who played the game the right way, and he said it perfectly last week. Oh, absolutely. If a guy throws a no-no, it's great for us. Yeah. I'm just looking at I'm talking about it more in the – you asked me if I thought about him. Yeah. He's no-hitters. I think in general in the game, I think that's really more of the talk is that – you know, where where does this get better? Because it's great for your team when a guy throws a no-no. It's great for that guy. And it's a great accomplishment, right? Mm-hmm. But when there's so many so early, you know, strikeouts are at an all-time high, things like that. So it tells you that there are some issues within the game that, that need to be addressed. And they, they're, they're going to take a while because it, this started 15, 16 years ago with uh, – you know, the swing changes and the philosophy changes um, with all the, you know, the analytics of the three-run homer and all that stuff. And so it, it's, it's been coming and it's been building. And now we're at a point where it's, I think it's getting so much more attention because it's just a game that uh, sometimes is unwatchable. You know, you see guys you talk to and they don't, they don't even like watching games because there's nothing that goes on in them. Miami Marlins manager Don Mattingly. So then the question becomes, are we still enamored with the achievement by the pitchers as Major League Baseball's hitting 
devolves. Longtime ESPN baseball insider Jeff Passan is. As difficult as it is to get a hit these days, you know, batting average across the sport, 236. You've got a team in the Seattle Mariners that it's almost the end of May. And they are setting the Mariners line, not the Mendoza line. We have to change the name because the entire team can't hit 200. Right. Even in that environment, going through a lineup, 27 outs, without a duck snort falling, without a guy barreling one up, and it just, you know, going over the fence, without Babbitt luck, without all of those things happening, it's still, to me, a remarkable achievement and a monumental thing that frequency just can't take the, the magic away from. But as great of an achievement it is, and it still is. Look, it's a notable thing when when a guy throws a no-hitter. The Brewers have only had one no-hitter. I've, never, I've, been, I've been to thousands of baseball games. I've never witnessed a no-hitter in person. But you still can't escape the math of what it means to what it meant. Here's the SPN Sarah Langs. We've already had more no-hitters through May than we've ever had in any season in MLB history, and there's still a handful of days left in the month. We are tied for the most no-hitters in any calendar month. Uh, we have four so far in May. There were four in June 1990 when there were two on one day. Uh, in, on June 29th when Dave Stewart and Fernando Valenzuela each threw one. We're very close to the overall record. The modern era record is seven. The overall record from 1884, which was a different brand of baseball back then, uh, was eight back then. So uh, we're, we're getting very close to that. It feels like we could be there by tomorrow, if not the All-Star break. So can it be both? Can we not note the achievement while still bemoan the lack of offense? I I don't know. Because the no-hitter really has no rhyme or reason. Great pitchers throw them. Nolan Ryan threw seven of them. Sandy Koufax threw four of them. Bob Feller threw three of them. Warren Spahn threw two of them. Bob Gibson has a no-hitter. In more recent years, Justin Verlander. He's got three no-hitters. Max Scherzer has thrown two. Hall of Famer Randy Johnson has thrown a no-hitter. Those guys are in Cooperstown or they're on their way to Cooperstown. Then again, here's the list of pitchers who have never thrown a no-hitter. Roger Clemens, Pedro Martinez, Greg Maddox, Steve Carlton, Don Sutton, Fergie Jenkins... And so on and so on. And the list goes on of guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Great pitchers. Historical pitchers. And never threw a no-hitter. But you know who has thrown no-hitters? Chris Heston threw a no-hitter. Chris Heston threw a no-hitter for the Giants. uh, You might be asking, who is Chris Heston? It's funny you ask. He threw a no-hitter fairly recently in 2015. He only pitched in 41 Major League Baseball games, and he's been selling real estate since 2017. Henderson Alvarez might recognize the name. He threw a no-hitter in 2013 for the Miami Marlins. He only pitched in 95 MLB games and none since 2017. He pitched the Milwaukee Milkmen last year or helped pitch them to an American Association championship. Jonathan Sanchez has thrown a no-hitter. Bud Smith pitched a no-hitter. Who's Bud Smith? 
Bud Smith pitched a no-hitter for the Cardinals as a rookie, and one year later, he was completely out of baseball. Even better, you know who's thrown multiple no-hitters? Mike Fires has thrown multiple no-hitters. Homer Bailey. Bob Forsh, Bill Stoneman, Jim Maloney, Don Wilson, all these guys have thrown multiple no-hitters. So this cuts across generations. It cuts uh, across eras of baseball. So it's always been an accomplishment that, well, yeah, I mean, it's impressive. It's not necessarily a harbinger of anything. But this rash of no-hitters has gone from this notable accomplishment to, is there something else maybe at play here? One guy who never threw a no-hitter but came within a strike of one once, Paul Wagner. He's been on the podcast before, longtime friend. Paul Wagner pitched for eight years in the majors, mostly with the Pirates, did have short stints, though, with the Brewers and the Indians. On the crossover on 97.3 The Game, Ted Davis and I asked Paul Wagner about why he thinks baseball's offense has taken such a sharp downturn. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I do. I think it is. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back on something pretty simple, only because it's the simplest thing to say. Ever since analytics and data got into here and launch angles, it seems like it's it's all or nothing. It's been home runs or strikeouts. And the game of baseball hasn't been the way it was before with hit and run, stealing bases, sacrificing. You know, I know the home run is the big thing. People love to see the ball jump over the fence, and, and we love that. I'm a fan, too, I, except, except when I'm on the mound. But you know what? I think you got to get back to basics, the way the kids learned how, instead of trying to do too many things. Home runs, home runs get you paid, but the little things win ball games. Yeah, but what we've got now is the Ivy Leaguers are running a lot of front offices, and they hire a bunch of Ivy League guys to be their assistants. And it's going to take a manager with some stones or some strong stuff to you know step up to this this trend to go. No, I'm I'm going to use the analytics. I understand it's important, but I'm still going to play baseball the old fashioned way. Uh, it, it will take a manager doing that, won't it? Absolutely, you're 100 percent right because the people that are telling you. The numbers say this and the numbers say that. These are the guys who don't know the difference between a baseball and a football, but they can tell you that you have better odds here and you have better statistics here and the data says this and that. But, again, it's going to need someone who says, you know what, I'm going to go with my gut. And I'm not saying this this project is over, but this is why I really like the formation, how the Milwaukee Brewers were set up. I love David Stearns coming in from Houston, bringing Matty Arnold in from Tampa, both analytical guys, data guys. And now your manager is Craig Council, who, who's won two World Series, but by no means was the best player ever on any of his teams. He was just a hard-nosed guy who could lay down a bunt, he could hit and run, and he knew not to make mental errors. If he made any errors, they were all physical. So I'm still hoping that the blend is there, but it seems like, you're right. The Harvard, the Yales, those boys, the analytics are kind of overtaking Craig and the old school guys, and they're started going more towards data rather than their gut and lefty versus lefty, righty versus righty. And, and that's the question that I have, Paul, because everything that you laid out, yes, David Stearns, a Harvard guy, an analytical guy. You mentioned Matt Arnold, now the general manager of the team, Craig Council. You're right. I mean, he was not afraid to lay down a bunt. He got, I think he played, what, 16 years 
and got every ounce of baseball that he possibly could out of that body. Won two World Series. So as the manager of this team, and I think the world of Craig, I think he's a very good manager, but he doesn't bunt. He does play the analytics. At what point is he going to expect his team to be able to lay down a bunt like Otani did the other night? He, he's going to have to learn quick. We've seen this. We've seen last year, yes, in an abbreviated 60-game schedule, there was zero offense. We, we, we got into the playoffs, yes, for the third consecutive year, which was a really great tip of the hat. We were under 500 with no offense. We were going to try to address that. We have no offense now. And I, and I don't know. You have to do something to score runs. And to say that Major League Baseball as a whole, batting averages are down, run scoring is down, that's fine. But if you start worrying about other people and comparing yourself the next thing you're going to realize is that you're looking up at somebody. You've got to do the things because we're not hitting the ball out of the park right now. We're hitting 190 with guys in scoring position. We have the worst swing and miss ratio in baseball on breaking balls. They've got to do something to generate runs because they arguably have probably the best one, two, three punch starting with Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta in Major League Baseball, and there's no reason why they should be under 500. Uh, talking to Paul Wagner, one of our baseball insiders, all the shifts that are going on, uh, they're trying this in the, the minors where they're eliminating some of the shifts. You have to have at least three fielders on one side of the infield. Would, would you be in favor of that at the Major League level? No. You know what? If you want to do that, you want to put four guys in the outfield, do it. We've also seen where there's uh, the run at third base before this new extra inning rule. I've seen managers keep maybe a left fielder and a right fielder, play right center and left center, and bring their center fielder into the infield uh, to stop a ground ball to try to you know get to play at the plate. Um, no, you know, if that's the way you want to shift, you have to make an adjustment. The game of baseball adjusts. It is 100 years old. It's going to be around for another 100 years. But you got to make adjustments, and if you got to go the other way, you got to go the other way. The problem is, is it goes to exactly what we were starting about the early. Guys are doing it; they're trying to drive balls. Seventy-three percent of all hits in baseball, or seventy percent of all hits in baseball, are pulled. So if you're only pulling it, why wouldn't you shift? If seventy percent of your guys are getting hits on a pull side, well, then I wouldn't. Why would you waste a glove over there? So you've got to adjust, and you've got to make adjustments, and you've got to play this game. As a former player and as a fan, Paul, I want to ask you personally, are you bored by today's game? Uh, bored? No. Uh, no. no, I'm not bored. I, I, I do enjoy it. I still see some strategy. Um, I would like to see, I know what's going to happen as soon as the CBA comes up, the universal DH is going to be implemented. And it is going to be an all or nothing type of situation. I'm not necessarily bored, but I do miss the fundamentals of baseball. I do miss, like we just talked about, hit and run, stealing bases, bunting guys over. I think that's a very important part. And I was very fortunate to come up in the National League with a manager like Jim Leland who believed in that. You know, we had Barry Bonds and we had Bobby Bonilla and Andy Van Slyke. We had guys back in the 90s that were driving runs in all the time. But Jimmy Leland also had a leadoff guy who would sacrifice bunt and move guys over and sack flies. And Jimmy Leland always said, I got big bashers. I got big bats. But if I can score one run every inning, I'm going to beat you 9-8 to if that's what it takes. Uh, Joined by Paul Wagner. They're also trying in the minor leagues to move the pitching rubber back just a little bit to give hitters a little bit longer to survey these 
you know, 95 mile per hour fastballs that are coming in all over the place with relievers and starters. Would that make a big enough difference in your opinion? I think it would make a difference, but it wouldn't make no difference for me. (laughs) (laughs) Balls were still getting shot over my head. um, (laughs) I think, (laughs) I think it would be something, but again, um, I don't know. Are we going to raise the hoop? I mean, and what you know, Ted, the average height of an NBA player has got to be at least three to five inches taller than it was, let's just say, even back in the in the 90s. So we're going to raise the hoop to 11 feet. I mean, are we going to make football fields 120 yards now because guys are all running four two forties? Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they lowered the mound. They hired the mound. I mean, when the Gibsons and the guys back in the 60s, when they were throwing no hitters all the time, they adjusted it there. I think 60 feet, six inches is the universal, same as, you know, 90 foot bases. I don't want to change them to 95 feet. But something has to be done. Former Brewers pitcher and Germantown native Paul Wagner. The new math of baseball is off. The new math says that strikeouts are okay. Stealing and bunting is bad. And launch angle is what creates wins. Launch angle should be a dirty word in baseball or two dirty words in baseball. Because I don't care what the math says. It's killing baseball right now because it's boring. Major League Baseball has tried to make the game shorter. That's been their mantra for I don't know how long. What can we do to make the games shorter? Because they're going Longer and longer and longer. And they've been past three hours for a while. They've done a number of things. They've uh, mandated the pitchers, for example, pitch at least three batters. They've cut down the number of times that a, a manager or a coach or even a catcher, for that matter, can go out to the mound and talk to the manager. It's, you know, how many timeouts do you have? It used to be that pitcher in that inning got one free visit and the next time you had to yank him. Well, now it's cumulative for an entire game to try to cut down the number of Minutes that a game is. There's two hard truths that Major League Baseball has to understand. Number one, you don't need two minutes in between innings to get players out on the field. That's to sell ad time, which is obviously critically important to Major League Baseball. But here's the other part. Strikeouts take time. That's why you're not seeing that many complete games anymore. Yeah, there's been an evolution of the closer's role in the bullpen and what all of that means. But if you're expecting your pitcher to go into the eighth inning every game or every other game or on a regular basis, you're talking about you know 100 pitches by the middle of the seventh inning because strikeouts take pitches. You're not going to see a five-pitch inning anymore. The math doesn't, that math doesn't work out. But strikeouts are boring. Crash Davis was right. Throw a few crown balls. You got eight fielders behind, or what, seven fielders behind you, the catcher in front of you. Let your shortstop make some plays. Let your right fielder make some plays. That's why they're out there. I mean, they get paid too. And it's either all or nothing. And strikeouts are okay for batters. No, they're not. Put the ball in play for crying out loud. You still have to manufacture runs. And what happens when your offense goes in the tank, like the Brewers' offense did for several weeks? 
How about you lay down a bunt? How about you try to create a run? How about if you do get to extra innings because your pitching is so good that you're able to get to extra innings and you're the home team and you've got a free runner on second base, which is another gimmick that Major League Baseball has, but the Brewers and other teams don't take advantage of that. You should bunt that runner over to third base because what that does, if you're able to, and by the way, you need to be able to bunt. That's a skill that every Major League player has to have. You have to have the ability, the skill, to lay down a sacrifice bunt. Is it going to be used every time? No. In When Christian Yelich was at his best in 2018 and 2019, and there's a runner at second base with nobody out, am I asking him to lay down a bunt? No. But when you're playing for one run, and that's all you need to win the game, you have to have that ability. I'm not asking for a sacrifice bunt in the second inning when your team has the third highest batting average in the league. It's not what I'm saying. But when you have one of the lowest batting averages and you're playing for one run, play for that one run. Get that guy over to third base and then force the issue. Put the ball in play because if the next batter with one out puts the ball in play, except if it's for third base or first base, you're going to score that run. Fly ball, sacrifice fly, the run scores. Base hit, obviously he scores. A balk gets him home. A passed ball, a wild pitch gets that runner home, and you win the game. But teams don't want to do that anymore because the new math says you shouldn't. The new math is wrong. When you need one run, you should play for one run. And here's the other part of it. At the end of the day, today's brand of baseball, as I said before, is terribly boring, and the game needs to recognize why it's failing to attract new fans. Our other story is the situation in Chicago. Last week, trailing 15-4, to the Twins sent first baseman Williams Astadio to pitch in the ninth inning. He got the first two hitters out. And then went 3-0 to Yermin Mercedes, who's a fantastic player. Incredible hitter. Right now, or at the time anyway, he was hitting 364, best in baseball. Astadio's fourth pitch was a floater at 47 miles an hour. Yermin Mercedes smashed it over the center field fence. You would think that his manager would at least be okay with that. Instead, Tony La Russa, speaking of old man yelling in cloud, Tony La Russa was incensed, ran onto the field. He was barking at his best player for missing a take sign and swinging 3-0. Making matters worse, Tony La Russa called the Twins to apologize. He scolded Mercedes in his postgame presser. Scolded him in person first, and then in front of the press, he said this. Resuming, so you're not at the ballpark. If you had been at the ballpark, just about the time the guy started making the pitch, I ran. I took several steps from the dugout onto the field yelling, take, take, take. Because just the way he was set up, it looked to me like he was going to swing. And the whole time he's around the bases, I'm out there, and I'm, you know, I was upset because that's not a time to swing 3-0. and and, as, you know, I, I happen to look over there, and I know the Twins knew that I was upset. Um, you know, Joey, give him the take sign. I just think Ermin um, was locked into he and Estudillo. You know, they, they know each other 
from different comp competition, com uh, competitions. And he was locked in and really what he just, I got to get him, I got to get him. But he, he missed a three or no hit sign with that kind of lead. That's just, it's not over. That's just sportsmanship or respect for the game, respect for your opponent. He made a mistake. So, you know, there'll be a consequence that he has to uh, endure here uh, within our family. Uh, but, uh, you know, it won't happen again because, you know, Joe will be on the lookout and I will be too. And we'll go running in front of the pitcher. We have to. Now, he's not going to do that again. I, I heard he says something like, I played my game, but no, he doesn't. He plays the game of Major League Baseball that respects the game, respects the opponents. And that was not. And he's got to respect the signs. When he gets to take sign, he takes. And it's a learning experience. You know, made a mistake. You know, uh, I actually apologized to the twins. I sent the message over there. Not acceptable. And, you know, and I'm certain that that will not happen again with, uh, with Jeremy. There's a sportsmanship. Respect for the game, respect for your opponent. That's that's real. It has to be the uh, philosophy, and we follow it. I've been taught it, and uh, you know, the fact that he's a rookie who's excited helps explain why he just was clueless. But now he's got a clue. As for Mercedes, he said he's not going to change how he plays, and his teammates are backing him up on that. So here's the inherent problem with going too old school, as opposed to the first part of this podcast. It's when you try to impose those old, unwritten rules. Players don't understand where you're coming from. You seem like the old man yelling at the cloud. Get off my lawn. I just hit a home run. But you weren't supposed to. So the next night, the Twins threw behind Mercedes. The game's universal sign that things are not cool with your team and my team. And if we have to go, then we have to go. After this second game, instead of backing up his own guy, which is what a manager is supposed to do every time, Tony La Russa doubles down. Said he had no problem with how the Twins handled it. What? Don't throw your own guy under the bus ever under any circumstances. You handle that in private. You handle it behind closed doors. That's why they give managers offices. Former Brewers lefty CC Sabathia, he's got a podcast, the R2C2 podcast. He went off on a, and I will just warn you now, a rather profane diatribe rant about Larusa. This is what I was telling you when they hired him. Like, he's just so out of touch with the game, and most people are, cuz. Like, I sit here and watch Christopher Russo on fucking MLB Network. He's out of touch with the game, cuz. Like, Tony LaRusso's out of touch with the game, cuz. He should not be managing one of the best teams in the American League, period. The fact that Tim Anderson, the basically the captain of their team, had to go on Instagram and step up for his teammate. Like, yeah, the game wasn't over. If you're going to put a fucking position player in there to pitch, guess what? If he's going to lob shit over the plate, we're going to fucking tee off. Put a 10-run rule up there, cuz. If y'all don't want to see people get embarrassed and you don't want to see position players pitch and people swing on 3-0 counts and all that shit, then make it a 10-run rule so the fucking game will be over and you don't have these stupid-ass unwritten rules. 
And now you got a rookie that's basically been carrying your fucking team this whole, these last fucking first six weeks of the season. This guy's been carrying you. And now you don't have a problem with the fucking weird-ass Minnesota Twins throwing behind your one of your biggest hitters? That's just fucking stupid. It's stupid, period. I'm sorry. This shit is terrible. He shouldn't be fucking managing that team. And if you're not going to step up and have your players back, what's the point of being the fucking manager of the White Sox? Shit is stupid as fuck. Sorry. <laughs> See, perfectly said. I feel like that'll be our social media clip for the week from R2C2. Fucking stupid, <laughs> man. That shit, I was so mad, cuz. And I, I even got, I was re-pissed off yesterday when Duffy's weird ass threw behind him. Re-pissed like, off re is a phrase I like. But it, yeah. Re-pissed <laughs> off. Yeah, I, I always get re-pissed off, cuz. But I was just as mad as I was when I seen it, that, like, when I, when, I, when, when I heard La Russa. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and then, oh, I love Rocco Bardelli, but you can't go out and argue that, cuz. You guys yeah. look fucking stupid. You you were losing 15 to four, cuz. Don't fucking put a position player in the pitch if you don't want guys teeing off. Like, get the fuck out of here. This shit was he stupid. And even the twins getting mad, cuz. Play better. Yeah. You guys fucking suck. You three yeah. games under fucking 500. You're supposed to be the best team in the central. You suck. Sorry. <laughs> Y'all was losing 15 to fucking four. It's hard to argue with him, isn't it? Because players today are paid by how much they produce. Those numbers at the end of the season. And if you want to talk about, well, then you mean Mercedes didn't respect the game. How about the Twins? Were they respecting the game when their manager, Rocco Baldelli, put a position player on the mound to try to finish the game? Is that respecting your opponent? Is that respecting the game? Money equals statistics. Period. That's why you're saving arms, right? By throwing... You know, your first baseman out there to, to get a couple outs, and, and hopefully he can. But young players today think that the unwritten rules of baseball are stupid. And unwritten rules don't always translate to every cultural background. And there's, look, there's no more old school guy than Tony La Russa. I mean, he's managed in six decades. Six 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, teens, and now the 20s. He has managed in six decades. Jimmy Carter was president when he began his managerial career. Tony La Russa has outlived four of his players from his original White Sox team. There are only 11 other managers that are still alive from when Tony La Russa began his managerial career. I went back and counted. When Tony La Russa began his managerial career in Major League Baseball, ESPN didn't exist yet. Neither did CNN. Neither did rap music. And oh, by the way, neither did any of his players. Bottom line, maybe it is not. The best idea for an old, stubborn, set-in-his-ways set manager to try to lead a young, talented team to the brink. The White Sox might be the best team in the American League. They might be the best team in all of baseball. Some managers are better for certain situations. This just isn't one of those instances. Tony La Russa needs a young, terrible team to try to impart some wisdom and some knowledge on because he's got it. 
The guy knows baseball. But this is too good of a team for Tony La Russa to have. He needs a bad team to try to impart some discipline, to try to impart, again, some wisdom, some knowledge of the game. That's what Tony La Russa needs. All right, that's it for this show. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, specifically at Doug Russell Pod. That's our username for both Instagram and Twitter. You can search for us on Facebook for all of our shows, for all of our social medias, for everything that we do. Uh, one easy, uh, one-stop shopping. It's our website. It's www.dougrusselpod.com. www.dougrusselpod.com. Have a great one. We'll see you next time right here on the Doug Russell Podcast.